Welcome back to another episode of the OPEX podcast. On today's episode, I facilitate a conversation between James and Paleo FX co-founder Keith Norris. On this episode, Keith discusses the origins and evolution of Paleo FX and the mission of Paleo FX going forward into the future. Guys, this is a really great conversation between James and Keith, and I hope you really, really enjoy it. Norris, Itzy, men, thank you so much for making time to come and speak with me today on the podcast. I really do appreciate it. Uh, James, of course, everyone knows who you are. Um, and Keith, I'm sure most people listening to this will also know who you are. But uh, just give us a bit of your background and also tell us about the origins of Paleo FX, how it's evolved since 2012 and where it is today. Yeah, a little, uh, little personal background on myself. Uh, lifelong athlete. Um, started competing at the ripe old age of 11 years old in track and field. Um, back in the day, this was the mid-70s, uh, so that dates me a little bit. So you, you guys could do the math. <laughs> so I've been around for a while. Um, but at that time, um, AAU and Junior Olympics were a uh, feeder system to the to the actual Olympics, and I was uh, lucky enough to get picked up by a uh, AAU team. Um, showed enough promise to be able to pick be picked up and uh, coached by some of the best track and field coaches in South Texas at that time. Um, did very well in track and field and sprint and power events and. Uh, but as I matured, once the testosterone started kicking in in full force, I kind of uh, matured into this being that wasn't going to be a sprinter so much. I was still quick, but I was uh, starting to uh, starting to thicken up. And uh, being in South Texas, um, when you're a kid who's who has some size and a little bit of speed, you play football. So um, I dove in uh, full force into football. Wound up playing um, all the way through college. Um, was super interested not just in the sport itself but in all of those things that it took to make a better athlete so the training side of it the nutrition side of it the the mindset all of those aspects I was super super interested in Um, had full intention of playing pro football that didn't work out Um, so I rolled into the military Uh, spent nine years in the military was still actively involved and still studying strength and conditioning um, it, uh, I, I probably would have gone into strength and conditioning coaching at that time if there were any money in it at that time. Um, unfortunately, there was like zero. You would starve to death <laughs> trying to be a strength and conditioning coach. Um, and this is, um, you know, in the uh, mid-80s by this time. Um, at that time, I had a family to support. I had a family very, very early on. Um, and so I had to support that family. Um, went into the military, spent nine years in the military. Um, after that, irony of all ironies, went to work for Big Pharma. And, and uh, so I've got to see the, uh, the underside, the belly of the beast from the ground up, uh, matured through the ranks in Big Pharma and, uh, you know, got to peek behind the screen and see really how Big Pharma operates. I went in as a uh, naive 20-something, um, came out uh, very disillusioned. And uh, long story short, Michelle and I, uh, figured out a way to bust out of the American dream, which we were certainly caught in. We had the big house, big cars, kids in the best schools. We were, we were living the American dream and both of us were dead inside. 
um, and we couldn't figure out why for a long period of time. Um, so we went on this quest to figure out why it was that uh, we weren't satisfied and then figured out an exit plan to get out of the American dream, which is a trap uh, for all of those who are, who are caught in it. There is a way out. It's not easy. Um, but with some, some planning and some uh, diligence, you can, <clears throat> you can bust free of it. And Michelle and I did that. Um, Michelle was a trained chef. She went on to um, establish a, uh, a catering business, successful catering business here in Austin. And I opened um, a series of gyms here in Austin. And that's how we began our entrepreneurial pursuits. Um, in 2011, we had the idea for Paleo FX. Um, we had that idea on a runway in LAX, getting uh, flying from another conference, flying back to Austin. Um, by the time we got back to Austin, on literally on the back of a Southwest Airlines napkin, we had a business plan traced out. And uh, we hit the ground running when we got back to Austin. Six months later was the inaugural Paleo FX event. How many, like... Yeah, how, I, I know what you're going to say. I know. How, how, many, how many massive businesses took those couple of minutes, right, of the that aha moment? And just out of interest, though, I don't want us to go there, Robbie, but I'm always so interested in the minutes and hours <laughs> prior to that aha moment. Right. Like what, what was the... What was the genesis of the idea or the inspirational moment that made you say, because what you put on paper is just, it's right. just you coming out with something, right? But there's backroom, something that went on that I love. Uh, I don't know if that was a question though. Maybe you could answer Keith. What happened prior right. to that, that kind of like bubbled that up of a, of a like, fuck, we got to do something, you right. know, and that's what you come up with an idea on. Well, there were, there were two real things, James. Um, the first of which happened um, a few years prior. Uh, Michelle and I lost a daughter in an auto accident. Um, at that time, Brittany was, uh, she was 22 years old. She was um, a week away from college graduation and three days away from her 23rd birthday. Um, and obviously that was devastating. That hit us right at the time that we were trying to bust out of the American dream. <clears throat> um, and also, that also hit um, during the last uh, financial crisis that we that we went through. That it, as a nation, right? It, that was in 2009. It was in the depths of the uh, of the housing market crisis. Uh, Michelle and I, at that time, were heavily invested in real estate. That was our that was our fuck you money, so to speak. Um, and we lost everything. Um, we lost everything in that crisis. Um, so, so a little bit of foreshadowing there. We, we, you held to our guns. We said, no matter what, we're, you know, we're, we're doing this. It doesn't matter if we're broke, um, because we are not happy. And we, in the back of our minds, we knew we wanted a, a legacy company that that would honor that would honor Britain. And so that was always percolating in the back of our minds. What is that legacy? entity company going to be we didn't really think it was going to be michelle's catering business we really didn't think it was going to be my gyms um so that was always percolating in the back of our mind we thought it'd be some kind of a charity organization we would start or, or something but we but but that was not that had not fully come to us yet um prior to actually being on that plane uh on the runway at lax we had uh we had just attended the uh the first ancestral health society event 
right? And that was in Los Angeles that year. That was kind of the first time that mm -hmm. all of these people within this uh, paleosphere had come together and people got to meet each other in person. And uh, we went to that conference. I spoke at that conference. It was a very academic conference. I was there. Right, right. So it, it was, and it should be. And, and, you know, there's still an operation and they're still doing a very, very academic conference. And we need that within this, within this sphere. Mm. But I was training clients boots on the ground. Michelle was catering to clients boots on the ground. And we thought, you know, there should be something out there that kind of distills all of this theory um, and, 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 and packages it such that people can get useful nuggets out of it a day to day, uh, something they could use day to day. Because, you know, I'll tell you, Michelle and I are not specialists in this, right? Maybe I could say that I'm a, an SNC specialist and maybe Michelle can say she's, you know, she, she's a chef. But as far as the nitty gritty of the science behind all of this, what we had was a network of people that we went to personally. Like if I had questions about you know, the paleo diet, I went to Rob Wolf, you know, and I, I, I would just text him and, and we would have these conversations. And that went on the functional medicine side and everything. We just had this network of people who were our friends that we would go to. And we thought, well, you know, we're not specialists. We actually consider our themselves um, educated lay people, the same person that would be an attendee at Paleo FX. So how would we create an event that would appeal to us, right, and give us the information that we need? And uh, that, was, that was the thought. That was the genesis of that thought. What would that look like? And then, awesome. then, then you're on the plane with napkins and a pen, and by the time a two-hour flight, you're back in Austin, and you have yeah, a business life. plan. Yeah, right. in front of you then. Yeah. Right. Good for you. That's an unbelievable story. Yep. Did yeah, you keep man, I'm glad I asked. I didn't know that. That's really that talks a lot about the vision of the whole thing, you know. Um, right. I and it's just uh, I think just to add a word there, if you're trying to search for it or you were or were not, what I hear it is you call it distilling of information of an academic format, but I call it being human. You know, you're right. offering the human aspect of it because you guys lived it and you're able to say it's tough to gloss over this stuff, but how do we get boots on the ground? Right. It creates a human aspect of it. So, um, right. Because, kudos. you know, James, we both know that, uh, you know, theory is great. It's fantastic, but it's what you actually do. It's what you do in the day to day and repeatedly what you do in the day. That's what matters. Right. You yeah. Can, I, and I don't, I don't mean to hijack your questions, Robbie, but uh, I'm, I'm super interested in uh, how you're measuring impact. So now you're past this point where it's up and running. How are you, how are you putting some things that are saying, this is actually impactful on a collective level and an, an ideal level, right? So right. Um, any thoughts on that, you know? Well, on the, on the personal level, uh, James, I can tell you that people that come up to us and tell us that their lives have changed because of Paleo FX, yeah. that's uh, number one. That is, what, that is what fuels us day to day. Because I'll yeah. tell you, you know, business in general is not easy. The event business is especially, oh, yeah. especially no. difficult. Exhausting. Um, and so there are, you know, there are days, there are still days, and there were certainly days early on where we were, you know, financially stressed. There were times that, that Paleo FX was like two weeks away from us pulling the plug just because we had to. We were self-funded. We've never taken uh, the money other than from Bank of Norris <laughs> to fund this thing. 
So it was a, it was a you know a mom and pop operation. We started it up, and there were times where we were like, you know, we, this can't go on. We can't keep funding this thing. Uh, we got to pull the plug. Uh, but you know, something happened. A, a vendor would come in, you know, and it, just money would just trickle in just enough to keep us rolling. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and so we just we kept rolling with it because we had this vision. And again, we wanted we wanted something that would honor Brittany because yeah. uh, you know Brittany was a a, a music and ministry major. Um, she changed a lot of uh, many many lives in her own way, and neither of those talents or talents that Michelle and I have at all not yeah. music and not ministry but um yeah. but but we found a way to impact lives the best way we could yeah and so that's what that's what we rolled with I don't know if that answers your question yeah it does the- I'm asking you how do you measure you know right. and, it, and, and you know when you get into measurement of impact it becomes very nuanced right right like, you can get very technical with money and economy and like how these coaches did this and et cetera. Right. What I heard from your answer was the process of you guys being consistent and honoring just what you wanted to do was you guys determining impact. And it's obviously the stories that come right. back that say, hey, you know, you get a thousand stories of people saying you changed my life. Obviously, there's probably something good to it. Um, and if you, right. can't, if you can keep running for eight years, I would assume that's considered impact, too, because you can't, you can't keep that big ship that's bigger and more powerful running right. over an extended period of time, right? Right. So that, consistency is impact and i'll tell you i'll tell you another thing too james we from the from the first get-go from the first event we had we set a very high bar on who we number one who who we would allow come in and speak number one and number two what vendors we would have on the floor we set a very very high bar so it had to be super high quality um if you had a food product you had to jump through a hell of a lot of hurdles to get on our floor and we and we still have that to this day and it hurt us early on financially the the first paleo fx we had we had 12 vendors and only two of those paid the other people we were just begging just come in and set up a table you know just flesh this thing out contrast that to to this past event we had a hundred and vendors on the floor so we look at it too from a more of a uh, capitalistic point of view that there is so much interest in health and wellness, and especially this, and I, I just say paleo writ large. You can put keto under that. You can put just, um, you know, any type of smart eating pattern, look, looking after your own health. Um, there has just been an explosion in companies that support that. You know, in 2012, there was no Epic Bar, for instance, right? And so yeah. companies like that evolved because there was a calling from people that wanted healthy foods or wanted uh, the biohacking uh, um, tricks and, and uh, tools, all of this stuff, it just exploded. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's another way to look at it, that uh, the market is calling for this. Otherwise, these businesses wouldn't exist. I mean, it's just business one-on-one. You yep. satisfy the market. So looking at it in that way, too, and just seeing the pro- proliferation of, like, um, just simple things like uh, the amount and ease of acquisition of like pasture raised meats. I mean, it wasn't a thing 10 years ago, right? And yeah. it's just, but now it is a thing and there's a calling for it. So we, you know, we look at bigger markers like that too, as a, as markers of success. That was, that was one of the issues I should point out that 
when I was there, I was uh, presenting and I also attended for two years. And I always, I always wanted to spend all my time just eating different kinds of fucking jerky. <laughs> I, never right. had, I never had time to go listen to people because I was like, right. <laughs> there's like 18 versions of ostrich jerky. And there's right. like, you know, it's like I couldn't get my hands on enough bars or like options, you know. That was just right. a funny, you know, commentary that is it's, it's so robust that it's actually an environment to itself now. The it vending is. and the and the people that are in there, right? Um, right. And great people and great food too. You know, it's like it's like Whole Foods circa 2011 on steroids. It's just right. like the best shopping aisle for four days in a row. You know. Yeah, um, and you and there's just such a a hunger for information in this area too. Not just products and not just yeah, uh, not just uh, biohacking yeah. toys and and in modalities, but just the information people want to be healthy yeah yeah i mean they and even those who who right now are not the captains of their own health ship yeah right and but that that is changing and that is changing rapidly you know we were just in london for a, a show we did in london it was a um a collaboration we did with uh with dave asprey's uh, upgrade labs and another entity in london health optimization and you know the the people in the UK and and in Northern Europe for the for the most part still have a what I would call a functioning healthcare system, right? It may be on its last legs, but it's still it's still a functioning healthcare system. It, so those people over there are still okay with outsourcing their their general health and wellness to a to a healthcare entity, and so it so it looks totally different in Europe than it does in the US right now. So we just did the show in Europe, for example, and it had to be biohacking focused mm. because there because there's just not a, a an interest yet enough of just general how do I take care of my own health? So yeah. the people that we spoke to over there were you know they're they're like three steps ahead. Um so the people that came to that conference what I'm trying to say is they they are those who are just biohacking geeks yeah yeah right the void the void is not there yet the void is not <laughs> you there gotta yet. have a void in order to have a purpose towards something right exactly right they they and i also say this that they don't feel the pain yet the general yeah. populace over there doesn't feel the pain yet the u.s is a decade ahead because people here are feeling the pain they're like yeah. oh even if you even if 10 years before you had no interest in health and wellness well you better have it now because yes. guess what you're you're up against the you're up against the wall now. Yeah, so let's discuss that on what what I called collective impact because if you want to talk about collective impact, we got to talk about how we reach the consumer, right? The unconscious consumer. Because right. your point on people want to be healthy, uh, we could we could drown that one out for hours on philosophy. Right. But um, right. uh, you know, are you thinking of going paleo effects to to educator, and then they like bleed and and give it off and they can help, or are you? Do you want to go PaleoFX to market that really moves the moves the needle on that? Yeah, I think it's I think it's both ways. Um, you know, and and it's um, it's both of those. Yes, and it's also PaleoFX is starting to move into more um, more on the uh, government intervention side as well. Mm. So we have this massive grassroots movement that's pushing from the pushing from the bottom up. Mm -hmm. um but i think james you would agree that to reach the masses that yep. 
a governmental system has to change too. Yeah, we're up against that now for fitness. It's the same way. How exactly. To get yeah. Fitness, you could, you know, I, I'll, I won't, I can't live long enough to see it through, uh, right. through brainstorming or strategizing or pushing the fitness education. I'm not going right. to be around. So right. if you want to make an impact, you got to go top down and bottom up. Yeah. So I really, you know, part of our, part of our model for Paleo FX and one thing that I'm, I'm keen to do is I, I really, really study the, um, the civil rights movement, right? So the civil rights movement started as a, as a grassroots movement, right? Mm. But, but grassroots movement in and of itself wasn't the, wasn't the final, um, wasn't the final lever, right? There had to be mm-hmm. government from the top down, but obviously yeah. government is not going to act unless they yeah. are severely pressured. That's right. Someone's got to make a decision. Right. And so, you know, we're starting to move into that realm now where we have this massive grassroots uprising. And now how can we push from the top down as mm. well? Yeah. Um, so we look at that, too. So, you know, it, it's it's the it, it is uh, the consumer, the individual that we try to educate. It's also the healthcare providers. So the functional medicine people that come mm. in and we're starting to reach more and more of those people, both at Paleo FX and at the you know various masterminds that Michelle and I attend. So there's that, so there's that push. So the individual, the provider, and then also trying to figure out a way to wiggle into government pressure on the, you know, on the, and we have uh, boots on the ground in DC, awesome. um, but that, you know, that's tough to do. You know, well, it, it needs to be done. And so we're yeah, fighting that fight as well. Yeah. Um, well, offline over time, if we could sit down and have 15 minutes to talk about how I'd like to partner up with that as a movement uh perspective um i'm totally interested in that whether whether you right. are not, i'm probably going to pull you aside to talk about it um, and, and and let me just say too that is that is not to say that we want um government involvement no no no. Right? Get, no what we it. want is government to get the yeah, get, that's, the fuck, get the fuck out of the way yeah, that's pardon my french but yeah, no, pre, you know what i mean clarity. yeah right i appreciate the clarity um i assume that but it's important that people right right that. right um, how do you how do you distinguish from this uh, language over the past number of years on the word paleo? Um, it's really transformed, really, from this concept of going, yeah, we probably should be thinking about what we used to eat and how we got to this point. Um, and now it's really gone just due to technology, information sharing, media, um, lack of professionalism, honestly, uh-huh. um, and a lack of clarity in thinking, I would, right. I would say. Um, lack of conversations. Um, how do how do you like clear that out now? Because that name is associated with a number of different things. It's actually created silos of right of uh, you know of individuals. When if they actually were to have the conversation with you, they you know they probably would clear it out. So how do you how do you navigate that? Because that's front end now. Right. So this is this is an interesting question. A few years ago, um, we were just looking at the looking at trends, right? Just, just basic looking at Google search trends, for instance, mm-hmm. and just trying to put together information. Um, and the, the term paleo was starting to take a downward slide. And we thought, well, what are we going to do if, if the goal, if the goal is to impact people mm-hmm. and, to, and to change lives? So we thought, well, maybe we need to back away from this term paleo. Maybe we need to rebrand and come out as, as something else. And we, and we were thinking, okay, if we're going to rebrand, rebrand to what? What are we going to rebrand to? And so we started kicking around these different ideas and, you know, it, everything kind of fell flat. It didn't, it didn't feel right. 
Um, and then we started talking to marketing and branding specialists and to a T, every one of them told us, do not abandon the term paleo. Don't, you have formed this massive tribe who identifies with this term. If you turn away from it now, you're, you're going to, it's just going to dissolve into meaningless and, and yeah. nothingness. And so every one of them told us, you have to double down term and own it. You, yeah. If you own the term, you get to define it. So yeah. what does paleo mean to you? What does paleo mean to paleo effects? And so we took that on and said, okay, we'll own this term mm -hmm. and we will just drumbeat what we think the term paleo means. And what, what came of that and how we've been, the, how the paleo ship has been uh, tracking over the past few years is we call it seven different pillars of health and wellness. Diet and exercise are two of those pillars. And the other pillars have more to do with what, what would look like uh, from the outside looking in, just basic human optimization. What is it that takes, what does a, what does a body and individual require to be an optimal human being? Well, that's, you know, that, that comes down to not just physical and mental and that side of it, but it's also emotional, it's spiritual, it's financial, it is relational, it's tribal. It's all of, it's these other pillars as well. And so we hit on all of those at Paleo FX. All of those pillars support, and that is our definition of Paleo, right? Awesome. You can, it, each of those pillars through a lens that would have you study, you know, the, the hunter-gatherer type of uh, physiology, phenotype that we all came from, mm -hmm. right? And so that that is where the focus of the term paleo for us is now. And that's, that's the drum beat that we keep beating. Um, awesome. You know, we have to constantly, constantly, and I think we've done a good job of, of dispelling the notion that to be paleo, to follow this lifestyle means that you have to give up modern technology or it means that you have to go back to the cave and spear. That's not at all what we advocate. Yeah. All we advocate is, Guess what? You're you're walking around in this modern world in a chassis that's essentially three hundred thousand years old. We have to honor that, mm -hmm. and that's and, and by honoring that does not mean you disavow modern technology. It's smart leveraging of that modern technology, yeah. and honoring this three hundred thousand year old, if you want to call it that, chassis. Yeah, I was just about to ask that, not to get into a dualist, you know, is it the mind body conversation, but where paleo right. sat in terms of its fueling, it was appropriate for us to, for natural selection and evolution and moving forward. And now it's almost like it almost has drowned out its value because there's so many other options. And right. we actually, we actually don't need to do that to evolve that, if that makes sense. Right. Yep, so totally. we, almost, we almost have to push the narrative of what you just said, that a beacon has to be, clear thinking, mental acuity, and good decisions. Right. That's all derived from good eating and movement, right? Right. Not, it's all, yes. not the other way around. And this is why I mentioned that because I, I'm, I'm, I would say personally inside of that, playing that like technology and automation versus human movement, right? Right. And uh, trying to get people clear headed on that. The meshing is definitely needs a conversation, right? right. How do you, I like your wording, leveraging it, using it to like right. 
because if you go the opposite route, you can argue for three years on biohack methods in which you don't eat for six days and you do high intensity interval training all the time. You know, right. it's like, oh, I feel fantastic, you know? So, you know, right. So, anyways, um, I was just gabbling based upon your point. And I think, well, I think, James, a good metaphor for this is how do we use the data from all of the biohacking tools that we have, right? How, how do you actually use that data? And my, my point has always been look, the, the, goal, the goal should be, in my opinion, is to use this data to inform how you, to get, um, to use it as a tool to teach you how to dial back into your own body. Right. How do I feel? For instance, yeah, uh, just, just basic, uh, you know, heart rate, temperature, uh, heart rate variability. What when, back when I used to train clients, I don't train them anymore, but back when I did, I would use those tools the way I, I used it myself. I would dial in every day. How do I feel touch, you know, touch my own body. How do I feel now? My perception of how, do, how I feel, how does that relate to the actual data that I'm getting back from these all right and do the two correlate well for me they correlated pretty high if i knew i was you know if i felt like i was on a downhill slide that i wasn't really you know up to par get yeah my heart rate is probably up a bit my you know my my temperature may be high and my heart rate variability may be dropping but i don't look at that data first i i tune in first how do i feel how do i feel and a lot of people are so divorced now from how they feel inside and being able to read their own selves. Yes, these are great tools that get you to reconnect, but don't use it as a crutch. It's just like a crutch on a, a on a bad leg, man. You've got to work that leg a little bit and stress it and get it you know, get it back to running. If you use a crutch forever, you're never gonna never gonna heal. And the same the same thing applies with these biohacking tools. They're great tools, but use it as a tool and not a crutch. And we should, uh, I should clarify my language on it too. Um, it's, it, we're talking about biomeasurement, not biohacking. Yes, yeah, yeah. Right? Exactly. Yeah, because yeah. hacking has that connotation with like, you know, you can sleep two hours and, you know, and right. do whatever right. you want and you, you'll be fine, you know? So right. um, I agree with you that, and, and you could still do that sleep for two hours, but if you actually do what we're calling biomeasurement, right. you'll see that it doesn't add up to good things, right? Right, so, exactly. Um, yeah, so the, the clarity is great. And, on the, that. And, and back to the paleo diet, um, I, you know, I use it as a template. And, yeah. um, you know, there are obviously, depending on your goals, depending on your situations, you're, you're going to need to veer from that. Yeah. Right. But that's a, it's always a template. It's a starting point. For yeah. myself personally, I, uh, I found out relatively recently that I have a uh, APO3 slash 4 allele. Mm -hmm. Right. So irony of all ironies, the guy running the Paleo FX conference doesn't handle saturated fat very well. Mm -hmm. And oh, by the way, a long history of combat sports and football. I did no favors to my brain. And now I have this allele that that predisposes me to dementia and Alzheimer's. Mm -hmm. What do I do about that? Well, I have to tweak my diet. Mm -hmm. It's still within the paleo template. But now it looks more, much more like a uh, a. Uh, a Mediterranean keto type diet. If you want to, if you want to put a label on it, right. Yep. It's very low in saturated fat. Yep. Um, it's high in, um, high in the other fats, uh, looks very keto, but it's low in saturated fat. And that's, that is using modern technology, genetic testing, um, science and putting those two together. Mm -hmm. how, it, yeah. On that, uh, how open are you to, uh, the education that comes in where people, Virtue signals something that's better for health for others, 
do you have like a, a gatekeeper or like a, a, an open system entry that's like, no, we want you to come in and, and, and talk your point out. Right. Um, I, I, I just used your example as something that someone is like heavy, high fat, right? So, right. you know, or do you say, hey, come on in and speak your point? Um, or do you say, as long as you clearly indicate individualization and assessment and measurement, does it make sense? Yes, it totally does. So we, we constantly, and you know, other than just be constantly beating the drum that there is individualization in all of this, uh, just to give you an example, at the last, uh, last Paleo FX, we had Joel Kahn come oh. and speak. Okay, prominent vegan vegetarian. Mm -hmm. He reached out to us and said, hey, would you, would you consider having me at your show? Mm. And we were like, absolutely. You know, come bring your point. Um, you know, discuss. We're, we're, we are always open for discussion. Yeah. Because that's, you know, James, it's, it, I think what I have seen with other movements and other mm -hmm. events that stem from movements is it becomes an echo chamber. Yeah. Right. And, and that, that will kill a movement, right? Yeah. If you don't have, if you don't have dissent, obviously 99.9% .9 of the people at Paleo FX are not vegan vegetarian, you mm -hmm. know, yeah. but it would serve you well to have an open discussion with one, find out what, what their, what are their points? Sci you know, can they back up what they say scientifically? Let's have a discussion about it. Mm -hmm. Right. And open it up. Um, and so we are always open for that. And we're always like, look, there's individuality with everyone. Everyone should take in this information, weigh it against their personal goals, their circumstance, and make a, an educated decision. Critical thought is, is so very important in this area. In other areas, yes, too, but especially so in your health. Mm -hmm. Just because it works for one person does not mean it's going to work for another person. So it was interesting to have uh, on, on a panel. So we had Joel Kahn, um, and we also had Sean Baker on the other side, and Michaela Peterson on the other side, and, um, and um, Gabrielle Lyons. I mean, it, was, it, was, it was a stark difference. And before we, before we kicked off that panel, I brought everybody together, and I said, I'm a, my opening question is going to be, what can we agree on, all of us? Let's start there because we can't have a meaningful conversation and an effective conversation unless we start with what we agree on. Was it broccoli is good? Was that was the answer? Well, there, I, I, well, there was a couple points. Number one, sugar is good for nobody, right? <laughs> Highly yeah. refined carbohydrates across the board, you know, yeah, not good for anybody. Um, the, the I don't want to say the traditional way, the, the, the um, me mechanic, uh, how can I say the, uh, CAFO operations that we utilize now because it's a, a huge profit motive, that's, that's bad for everybody. It's bad for the end consumer. It's bad for the animal. It's bad for the environment. So then you start saying, oh, well, you know, we do agree on a lot of things, mm. right? So, for, so first of all, we, all of us, from the, from the Sean Baker, Michaela Peterson side, the carnivore diet, all the way down to Joel Kahn. Yes, we all agree on that. Yeah. Okay, now let's pick it apart and let's talk about, you know, high protein diets versus high fat diets versus vegan vegetarian diets. And now let's start to have this discussion and let's leave off the table for now mm -hmm. the ethical religious side of things, right? Which, and I appreciate the ethical religious side of things if we're talking, you know, to 
to vegans, vegetarians. I appreciate that. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it but that's one thing that we do lots of stuff for, for ethical reasons and religious reasons that aren't necessarily good for our own health. Mm -hmm. Right. So let's leave that off the table. Yeah. Um, but we can always have that discussion at a later time because that does factor into people's decisions. Yeah. Yeah. I think the biggest one to get to in that conversation is really a defined level of what we all call health. I think that's the one where we get trapped up on. There's right. no definition of thriving and, you know, right. Um, right. Because, and, and anything under thriving, everyone's in. Right. You know, it's like, well, what's the defining characteristic? Well, these people lost weight. Oh, well, that must mean it's the answer. You know, it's right. like, well, no one has actually said, what is the definition of thriving forever, right? And right. I think if everyone got together and somehow pulled together the research and the conversation, we would all work backwards from that thriving moment and probably see that everyone's on a continuum inside right. of that entire piece, you know? Right. Um, and then we may not get lost on it. Have you ever watched Intelligence Squared, the podcast? That sounds very familiar, but I okay. Well, if you have uh, not, if you have not, I would offer up a, a suggestion. Right. One that I would like to see, if you have or have not had, is definitely on the one versus other sided panel. I would love to see a really robust functional medicine panel, and then a really robust carb uh, calories in, calories out panel, right. evidence based nutrition panel. And in the middle, you can go after the obesity conversations, start with what we agree upon, but then get like really heavy in the middle, because I don't think there's been enough people with who are clear enough thought people who can get together and have a good conversation on that. It's always black and white, right? Right, it's just, right. It's basically just energy and fuel. And then over here is like, well, your microbes might be telling your brain that you right. need this food. You know, and, and, then, and then, you know, it gets kind of convoluted. So I would say that. But the reason why I mentioned Intelligence Squared is the way that they hold those black and white conversations is unbelievable because they have to prove their point. It's not, it doesn't right. become religious, but, and then the crowd decides, the crowd decides live time on Twitter or live of the pros and cons and how well they, right. they made their argument. So I, as, a, as a researcher, you have to be very good for eight minutes. Right. You got to have your shit together. You can't say, oh, it's too complex and we can't read 30 books today. It's like, well, you better have a good answer. In eight right, minutes. Right. Otherwise, you can't prove your point. So right. um, anyways, that's just the thought for the future. Uh, greedily, I would love to see that. Um, I would pay a ton of money to be in that audience to listen to all those minds speak back and forth because I'm hearing two different stories um, on that. Right. And I think you and I both would agree that it, it is in the middle. The answer yeah. is always in the in yeah. the nuance. That's the whole middle. reason why we do it, right? And so everyone comes to the understanding. It's like, right. oh, that's complex. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's right. not. We're not talking about one human here, right? We're trying to trying to corral them all and say what's the answer. It's like, well, it's like a truth question, you know. And and to your point on the on the trying to identify what is thriving, I think James, you as a competitive athlete, myself as a competitive athlete, I think back when I posted my best numbers, when I, when I would say that was the pinnacle of my athletic ability, um, I was not healthy. Yeah. Right. And, and we all know this, that, that yeah. to be a competitive athlete at the top of your game, you are just riding that razor's edge. Yep. You have milked everything you can out of your body, but that's not a healthy state. No. Right. No. It's not a, yeah, I call it performance and disease over here. That's all the academic and language. Right. Right. And then it's thriving over here. 
And those are two different continuums, right? Right. For nutrition, for thought, right. For life. Like those are two different things, but, but it's sexier. There's easier research. It doesn't right. take a three-year study. It takes six weeks. You know what I mean? It's all right. performance or disease based. It's much easier to push that out to the public. And obviously educators gobble that shit up. Right. Sure. You know, sure. they're like, Oh, that's cool. Shit. Eight weeks did this. This is the differences, you know? Uh, but yeah. no one in the studies like, you know, how about we look at this for 30 years and then kind of see exactly what you should be doing for exercise. Right. It's like, that's boring. Right. You know? Why would we want to look <laughs> right. at that? Geez. I don't know. We may see, you know, billions of people who are just lifting weights and eating clean food and they, they do pretty good, you know? Right. Like, well, you know, that's not that sexy. So I, I get it. I understand that point. Yeah, for sure. And um, yeah, and it is such a curious point when, when, you know, the, the athlete at the top of their game is held up, it, it especially so, it, and it's it especially so in something like bodybuilding, right? <laughs> and anybody who knows anything about that endeavor knows that when those guys are on stage and gals, they, they are yeah. train wrecks, yeah. train yeah. wrecks. And not to, not to pigeonhole that group, because I'd like to say that <clears> there's <throat> two lanes in that. Uh, when bodybuilding becomes, and we could say sport, but when bodybuilding becomes uh, specific for sport, I agree. Right. For the mechanics, mm -hmm. for the mechanics of bodybuilding, I would argue, till I'm blue in the face, that it's the answer for long-term health. Oh, for sure. Right? So yes, that's sure. where bodybuilding yep. differs a little bit, right? Right. But you can't, as an example, you can't, you can't recreationally do CrossFit and do CrossFit as a sport and get those two different apparent observations. You see what I'm saying? Yep, so totally. we got to really clarify sport on that. Um, and I think, and I, that's the reason why I'm, I'm careful of picking on bodybuilding for that. Right. But it's the, it's the metabolic shit mm -hmm. with that that causes the problems, not the mechanical problems, right? Right, right, right. Because you know, yeah. like over time, you're not going to go back to the gym if you don't feel like lifting. It's right. like an auto-regulation, right? So you're like, okay, well, just give it a break, you know? Or, or do calves and forearms, whatever. <laughs> whatever right. you Neck exercises and traps, right? When you were gassed. <laughs> right, right. Uh, and you tell everyone that you're toning, but really you're just gassed out, right? Right. Um, you're just waiting for the next chest or leg. But again, all that, you know, this conversation, it, it takes time and it's nuanced. And, um, it does. And, it, you know, in our, in our culture, in our society, we want argument. We want black or white. We want winner or loser. We want all of these you know, that's the Twitter arguments are just not the plate. <laughs> Twitter is not the environment to have these types of conversations. It's, yeah. It doesn't lend itself to, uh, to anything, you know, really, really meaningful. Nothing meaningful is going to come out of that. Um, and again, for the individual, this boils down to critical thought. Yeah. You know, you have to think this stuff through. You have to discuss it. You have to find the nuance and, and make it work within your own life. Um, yeah. Goals for 2020. For 2020, we're for the, aiming for the 2020 event. What's your goals? So, What's the big uh, nuggets like on uh, the in not necessarily economy, but mm -hmm. the number of people and like your impact and a little bit uh, more of a conversation on that. Yeah. So one key metric for us at the uh, at Paleo Team Paleo FX is 10,000 attendees. That's what we're shooting for. Awesome. Um, we. Uh, Michelle and I very, very early on from the first event that we had, we, and I, I don't know if your listeners are familiar with South by Southwest here in, in Austin, but it's a, it's, a, it started off as a music festival here in Austin. 
um, and then ballooned into this monstrosity that is um, interactive, which is all things uh, digital and film. And it's, uh, you know, it's a 15 day event here in Austin that just strangles the entire city. It's a beautiful thing. I love living here and I love being in close proximity to that, but it does strangle the entire city for, yeah. for two weeks. I mean, I'm from Calgary, so I, I live through the Calgary Stampede every summer for okay, 12 right. days. <laughs> right. seeing, uh, seeing everyone all over the world drunk for 12 days in my city, right. so I, I get it, yeah. Um, but we are very early on, and people thought we were, we were freaking crazy, and they probably still do, but we have always said we intend to be the South by Southwest of health and wellness. Awesome. Right, awesome. where this, there is just so much want for this knowledge that it just stretches us completely out into yeah. multiple weeks what's and a critical mass yeah what's a critical mass of that what do you yeah, think it's to the point where it's like oh it's just it's just exhausting you know it's well, like you can't get enough information in for each person yeah and so then it, it would start much like south by southwest does it splinters starts to splinter into camps yeah right so you have you know the first the first week for south by southwest is music the yeah. first week for paleo fx might be general paleo knowledge and then it will, you know, shift into more. Um, so each one of those seven pillars, might mm -hmm. have a separate couple of days associated with it. That, that's the that's the grander vision. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the critical mass is going to uh, take to do that right now. Um, if we do get 10,000 attendees at the Palmer Event Center, which is a massive event center, yeah. um, that's going to start to that's going to start to press the walls on that. And then we're going to have to look at expanding. Um, so yeah, so then it will be a multiple venue event, and I see that happening very, very soon. We're just gonna we're just gonna run out of room at the Palmer Event Center, which I can tell you the first year that we went into the Palmer Event Center and mm -hmm. we walked into that place and it was just this open cavern. It, it, we were just <laughs> yeah. like, how in the hell are we gonna yeah. fill this place? Up, right? Just, yeah. <laughs> just like, what are we gonna yeah. do? Oh my God, did we yeah. really? Did we really rent this venue? Holy shit. Now we got to fill it. Um, See, all yeah. those years of bodybuilding have kept your mind acute enough to go through those periods, right? Right. I, I'm telling you, it was, uh, it was daunting when we first went there. And, and to think now that we're actually discussing, well, I think we've outgrown that venue. We're going to have to branch mm -hmm. out into some other areas. Yeah. Um, but that, that's very, very heartening. I think another thing, James, too, that we're very – proud of and we're happy that came about was the health entrepreneurial fx which is the mastermind the day before paleo fx kicks off um we've always considered paleo fx to be the uh to be the wrecking ball mm -hmm. right to to demolish the old to uh create a you know to demolish the old paradigm as it exists um in the health and wellness sphere but we are very keen too to know that where revolutions fail and we really see ourselves as a revolution in health and wellness where, re where revolutions fail is in there's no uh, regime to come in and fill the void, mm -hmm. right? We see this in political uh, yeah. revolutions all the time. And generally what happens is once the, once the old regime dies, you get a new regime that's even worse. Yep. So we're very keen to that. So who, who is going to be the entity that picks up and fills the void? Well, it's going to be the individual entrepreneur, we feel like. Yeah. All of those entrepreneurs represented on the vendor floor at Paleo FX, yeah. those are going to be the providers yeah. going forward. So now we want to empower those people with the business that they need to succeed. Because yeah. many of these people 
get into the business because they're passionate about that particular aspect uh, that offering that they have, they may not be good at business. And believe me, I wasn't either when I, when I started and I'm still not good at business. Thank God I've been able to surround myself with people who, who are good at business, namely Michelle, because I, I sure, I, that's not my realm. You know, my realm is networking and, and promotion and that kind of thing. I'm good at that. Um, you don't want me in a, you don't want me balancing books. You don't want me in an operations, but you don't want me anywhere near any of that. But yeah. um, so it, it was good for us very early on that we surrounded ourselves with people who were good at those types of things. Um, yeah. But, but that type of thing is prevalent in our industry. And I, I know James, you, you see it every day in the gym business, right? People go in, they open gyms because they're very, very passionate about, mm-hmm. about uh, lifting health and wellness, whatever aspect of strength and conditioning they're in and they suck at business. Mm-hmm. And they fail. Yeah. We see this in the restaurant industry all the time, yeah. and Michelle did when she was a chef. But yeah. if you arm those people with tools, then they can succeed. Yeah. And that goes back to our point on measuring success. That goes back to our point on measuring success. I think your, I don't know what word to call it, but yeah, for that regime to change, they got to, just like other really authoritarian, shitty regimes versus really positive ones, right. it, it has to stick. Yep. Right. So, when the leader's gone and there's a thought right. in place, it has to stay. So I think the way you're going to get there is just be consistent. Like you're going to, you're going to bleed the same story right. right, over and over and over so that when it just, whatever, whatever falls away, the movement continues, right? right. Because it's stuck in their head so long, right. right? So no one can come in and swoop it up and say, this is the new vision. They'll be like, no, right. no, no, no. This is the way we know it. This, right. is, this is the steps for big agra. This is how we're right. going to talk to this level. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like all built down. I think uh, philosophically, the there's a couple of different ways you can go about that critical mass change. I just thought about in terms of like growth for it because it's common. Just the number of ten thousand already creates limitations. Just the right. number itself. Right. It's a big beacon, but once you're behind it, there's like a bigger mountain, right? Right. I think I think personally to go a couple different areas, maybe think about strategically go public and then private as a, as two different entities. Meaning it's a full on mm. public exposure. And that's a full on educational exposure because then you right. fracture kind of concepts and ideas and right. they can still feed one another. Um, the, the other one would be digital exposure, meaning right. you break the live and then you break heavy digital, which is exhausting uh, unto itself as well. But, uh, but the way that's done today with like small snippets of versions of masterclass or universities offering right. education stuff, it's done very well with low margins. So something to think about. And then third, I'd say geography. Right. So you, you take the road show and, you know, because it is limited, it is limited, right, right. based on geography. So right. you've got to plant that right over in Sweden. Right. <laughs> you, know, you do. You got to plant it down. So people just fly into Stockholm and get the same kind of idea. And now you grow globally based upon that. That's right. what I would be. It's interesting. Um, you, it's interesting you bring that up because London for us was that first first foray to go global. Yeah. Um, we're looking at uh, everyone chooses London. That's why I said Stockholm, right? It's like, it, yeah, right. Give the Swedes an opportunity, right? <laughs> and and yeah, good um, tech there too, by the way. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, London was just uh, you know, for us. It's a straight through flight from here to to Heathrow. So that was a that was a big win for us. But uh, it was a natural next step because it, and the reason for that was was we had so much interest in London to start with that there's. If you look at our demographics, we get a lot of people from the UK come into Paleo FX area. Right. So there's so there is a there is an uh, a groundswell there. 
Um, yeah. Same thing with Dubai. We're looking at going into Dubai next. Um, Brazil is a is a hotbed, as is Australia. Mm. So it, from the physical mm. uh, physical show, that's how we're looking to expand. And totally agree with you on the digital side yeah. of things. That's too, a cool idea. You could package. You could create like a, just as a concept. You could package a little Paleo FX that you have people run. Right. right. You license the little Paleo FX that right. goes to Brazil, Australia. I like you know I like that idea as well. And then you, you got to write like the SOPs, right? This is our language. This is what's inside. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, you know, Michelle and I, four years ago, looked at uh, taking Paleo FX to London. Uh, we went over there, scouted, and quickly found out that, to your point, who the hell is going to run? <laughs> it actually, in London, right? It's like, okay, we got to back up. We actually have to create uh, SOPs and a procedure for yeah. someone that we can hand off to that they can run with it, which is what we did Good. In, in London when we partnered over there and it went very, very well. Um, and yeah, on, the, on the digital side of things, we are um, building the team right now to take care of that. So we've got awesome. some, we've got some educational products that are going to be rolling out here very soon. Um, Good. Yeah. So, so those new, totally. yeah, I'm telling you the new based upon just, we talked earlier about that age group, um, there's so much talent out there right now from, you know, 20 to 30 years of age of people who are really on board with this concept, right? Uh, are really woke humans, right? Mm -hmm. They're really together right. and they do that digital shit legit. Like yes, very, they you know, they express it really well. They're so right. smart. They know how people interact. Um, I'm just still fast. It blows my mind actually how good they are. So I just want to make that point. If you're going digital with that group, you know, you certainly got a, certainly got a great idea. Um, I didn't want to exhaust out the, uh, the, just the paleo FX for 2020. Um, uh, Robbie, did you have any questions specifically that we were, uh, we wanted to cover uh, with Keith? Did you keep that napkin? <laughs> you know, we didn't. We, I really <laughs> wish we would have, we would have it framed. We should I have, have my it. book. I have my little <laughs> paper. Leanne still has that. Which, by uh, the way, I hear a lot of your story and my Leanne's in there as well. Um, so right. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I wish we would have. I wish we would have kept that, but uh, that went by the wayside somewhere when we came up with a real business plan. Well, it's just uh, you know, speaking about paid effects, like potentially going global and and the entity that it's evolving today. I was just like, you have a lot to be grateful for for that little napkin on that airplane. So it would right, have been, it, yeah. it would have been something special to have. All right, I just something I just wanted to add there was uh, I think an individual who would be very good to speak to in the in in this regard too for what James is alluding to in terms of paleo effects, you know, branching out and, and going, you know, even international and global is, is probably Chris Boyer from perform better. Cause the growth of paleo effects sounds so familiar to that, you know, like, so perform better started off as, you know, education within, you know, more so strength and condition. And then it, 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 it just completely outgrew its events. And then he has the three flagship events that are in Providence in Long Beach and in Chicago. And now they're over in Germany and, and, to your point too, uh, Keith, Brazil is an absolute hotbed at mm -hmm. the moment. I know, for instance, that Mike Boyle's um, certified uh, functional strength coach, he's had ma he's telling me that, that they've had massive events down there. And I know Brett Bartholomew, Mike Young, and mm -hmm. Dan Baker have done some events down there for some guys in Brazil. And apparently just Brazil is just craving for 
this type of information in terms of not only the sports performance world, but even within the health and wellness. Right, um, they are. Health and wellness are. as well. Did the Olympics do that? I don't know, James. I, I don't know what, what it is that I, I know it with regards to um, my boys. So, are, I, I have no... I have no reason to believe that social changes down there have led people to be like, well, we're more woke to fitness and exercise. You know? Yeah. Well, I just know in regards to Mike's certification that it, it was a guy who had previously interned, but they told me that the guys in there put on an unbelievable event. And Brett had told me the guys that brought him over putting on unbelievable events as well. Like, so, um, I just think, yeah, yeah. I, I just think Chris could be someone to, to connect it to maybe just to get his thoughts and opinions on that too. So, that would be great. Yeah, on the uh, on the Brazil side of things, what I've heard from people is, you know, it's a, it's a two pronged thing. So you have a culture that is that is very keen to look good, right? Mm. So that's bred in that's bred into the culture, and you have a government that's that is fairly open to if it makes somebody healthy, they will support it, right? You don't have the same kind of government uh, meddling that you do here. Mm. Right. So it's uh, it's not as top down in that respect. Yeah. Um, so that so it's a two prong thing. And I, yeah, I can tell you. So that that's probably the second largest contingent of outside the U.S. people that we have coming in for Paleo FX is from Brazil. Mm-hmm. Right. Just uh, an interesting question for me. So I was listening to Michelle earlier on. Does Michelle do both you and Michelle have the same genetic predisposition for saturated fats? We do. My irony God, of, irony my of God, all ironies, yeah. <laughs> Good, luckily for Michelle, she never played football or uh, kickboxed in her youth. So, so yeah. she's, she's a little bit uh, further ahead of me there. I have to really watch what's left of my feeble brain. <laughs> yeah, Keith, just uh, James kind of asked a question. He, he kind of already alluded to this in terms of, and you kind of alluded to with the branding of Paleo Effects. And the fact that it, it, it does say paleo in it, and I suppose you've kind of already touched on this too, but I was going to ask you, did you feel that that is now a limiting factor to the audience that you're trying to attract? Because again, the evolution from what I've seen from paleo effects from an outsider looking in is that, you know, people initially hear paleo and they automatically think, you know, the paleo diet and they think about the nutritional components and, you know, mm-hmm. automatically you think Lauren Cordain and Rob Wolf. Right. But from recent conversations I've heard from yourself and Michelle on other podcasts and interviews is that that's only such a small branch now of what paleo effects is. Like right. a lot of it, a lot of it now is about, you know, mental and emotional um, health. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's taken more lifestyle factors into it too. So like circadian biology and, mm-hmm. and sleep and, you know, the exercise and movement and again, just more mindfulness and awareness. And I know that you guys are also big fans of, you know, psychedelic journeys and kind of mindfulness. And so just in yep. terms of the evolution of, of where paleo effects has gone since 2012, I, I, I appreciate you said that you did think about changing the name, but you haven't. But do you still feel that it is a bit of a hurdle that when you initially meet some people, they go, oh, is that just not a nutrition seminar? And you're like, no, it's actually a lot more to it. Like, you know, again, like just functional medicine involved now, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. Yeah, we, you know, this is a, what it boils down to is this is just a simple business decision, right? And it's it's a gamble. We We are gambling that if we, if we quote unquote own the term, we get to define the term. Yeah. And, uh, we're, we're going to go that route. And I'm, you know, I, uh, for better or worse, I'm a liberal arts major, um, studied political science in school. And that is part of, um, 
the marketing of, of whatever your position is. You, you own the term, you get to define the term. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we have taken the position that, okay, we're going to own the term and now we're going to define it. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, you know, we'll, 10 years from now, we'll figure out if that was the right tact or not. I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know. I'm, and we were just operating by our guts here. We're going to, yeah. we're going to run with this term and we are going to own it and define it. Great. Good for you. Yeah. Right. Well, so good for you, man. All right. Final thing would just be, when is the, uh, when is 2020? If you just want to give the details and the dates, we'll have right. everything linked up in the show notes. So first of all, uh, springtime in Austin is, uh, is absolutely beautiful. Um, <laughs> I like how he preempts that. <laughs> right? It is. It is uh, the best time, you know, the fall and the short amount of fall we have here. It's for you, Robbie. <laughs> <laughs> um, Austin is a, it's an absolutely beautiful place to be in the spring. You probably don't want to hang out in the summer. It's hot as hell here, but um, in the spring, it's beautiful. Um, the dates are April 24th through the 26th. And that's in Austin, Texas. Um, the, Great stuff, uh, yeah. April and you, 20th. And you have, some of your, you have some of your speakers already lined out on the website, you know. So you got, obviously, James is there. Right. JJ Virgin. The great Reed Davis. I'm, I'm, a, I'm an FDN. Right. I know Reed well. Dr. Right Tom on. O'Brien. I've, I've interviewed Tom O'Brien before, too. Tom's a great guy. With, you know, oh, that's his, a good one. Yeah, his right. research into the immune, immune system. And he was the original kind of granddaddy of saying, hey, guys, gluten, it is actually a real deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got Mark Sisson right, there, of right. course. You got Rob Wolf. So you got some great speakers. And this year, I believe you had uh, the great Dr. McCullough there this year, did you? On on two thousand nine. Uh, that was uh, two years ago. McCullough was there. Was two yeah. years ago, McCullough was there. Right. Very nice. Uh, I see Andy Galfman is also down for next year. Good, good another good, uh, good friend of mine, next. Andy. So I think uh, to back up on Andy, I think Andy is i think his wife is due again in april i'm like andy would you gotta quit <laughs> you're, <laughs> it's, you're, you're this killing me this right? paleo bro you know <laughs> he's reproducing There's right on. Yeah, like uh, come on man you're killing me uh and and i told him hey man prioritize right this is like your <laughs> second or third kid i mean it's you know I've been there. I've had four. After the first one, it's like, yeah, okay, that's just another, that's just another kid. Yeah, but no, all, all joking aside, all joking aside. Uh, yeah. So that, so really, really quick on the, you know, trying to get speakers lined up and getting them uh, out. It's tough for speakers to commit this far ahead of time. Mm, I guess right. So. It's course, really, really tough. Um, but in, uh, you know, give it, give it to Michelle. She is the one that has to, a create the schedule and b vet all of these speakers i'm glad i don't have to do that i'm just going to say because it is an it is an undertaking like you can't even imagine yeah well but guys yeah, we, we yeah. will always uh, we're going to have a great lineup of speakers we always do there'll be surprises last minute surprises in there um but it's going to be a great show always a great show well for me uh james you probably never heard me so quiet in all my life so it, it was <laughs> i great. took it all uh, <laughs> it, I, it, it was great to just be a fly in a wall to be honest oh well, thank you robbie <laughs> thank you robbie yeah man yeah no problem not and everything for the for the list everything will be linked up to show notes with regards to the details for paleo effects 2020 so if you uh if you're being stimulated by this great conversation definitely go over to show notes and check it out but uh from myself and from james and from keith Take care. Talk to everyone soon. Peace.